0: Welcome to Interesting Times. I'm Joe Streckert. What would it take to lead you into a war? What would it take to get you to sign up? Would it take a sense of patriotism? Duty? Desire to crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentations of their women and or men? Would it take an attack on your homeland to spur you into fighting a defensive war to repel invaders? Would you join the Rebel Alliance to take down a galactic empire? Would you join the Riders of Rohan and the Men of Gondor for an assault on Sauron and Mordor? Would you join Magneto in a bold fight for equal rights for all mutants? Or would you follow a goose? And no, goose here is not a metaphor for something. Goose here is an actual literal goose. Like, the bird. Today's episode is about a group of would-be conquerors who followed a literal goose into a war, specifically the First Crusade, a holy war to retake the Holy Land, which I find ironic given that geese are awful jerks, and if Satan were to design a bird of pure unholy evil, it would probably be the goose. The traditional and probably overly simplistic origin story of the First Crusade is that in 1095, Pope Urban II rallied religious leaders at the Council of Claremont to retake Jerusalem with cries of Deus vult, or God Wills It in Latin, and a holy war, a crusade, started. It's almost certainly far more complicated than that, but getting into the actual, for real origins of the First Crusade is beyond the reach of this show that's about weird history. What's important for us is that the crusade, it wasn't one big coordinated effort Instead, there were several offshoots and branches to it, and there were some lords and kings who were working basically independently of each other, uh, going off in the general direction of the Middle East, hoping to kill people in the name of God. And one of these independent branches of the First Crusade was spurred on by an itinerant preacher called Peter the Hermit. And he might have gotten more of the populace up in arms and eager for retaking the Holy Land than Pope Urban II did. Peter's call for crusade was far more apocalyptic than the Pope's was, and he was predicting end of the world, last battle, book of revelations type stuff. Uh, He led what was known as the People's Crusade, and one of Peter's followers was a guy called Count Amico, who saw himself as being the last world emperor, fulfilling some prophecy or another, and ruling over the earth as it bled and burned. And, as you can imagine, this sort of populist, end-of-the-world, last-battle-type stuff brought out a few eccentric characters, and this is where the Goose People fit in. The most off-sighted bit of writing about the Crusade, and about these Goose People who were into People's Crusade and following Count Emiko, uh, comes from Albert of Aachen, who wrote about the Crusades sometime during 1125 and 1150. Albert writes quote, There was also another abominable wickedness in this gathering of people on foot. Albert of Aachen was not a big fan of the People's Crusade and their huge amounts of end of the world religiosity, who were stupid and insanely irresponsible, which, it cannot be doubted, is hateful to God and unbelievable to all the faithful. They claimed that a certain goose was inspired by the Holy Ghost, and a she-goat filled with no less the same, and they had made these their leaders for this holy journey to Jerusalem. They even worshipped them excessively, and as the beast directed their course for them in their animal way, many of the troops believed they were confirming it to be true according to the entire purpose of the Spirit." So what he's saying is that basically these folks are looking toward a goose, and this account also a goat, and watching what the goose and goat do, and interpreting that as God talking to them. Now, that's not all. Albert of Aiken is not the only person to write about this. Here is another account of the Holy Goose from Gezerat Tatnu, a Jewish scholar, writing in 1096. He says, quote, it came to pass on a certain day the Gentile woman came and brought with her a goose that she had raised since it was a gosling. This goose went everywhere the Gentile woman went. She said to all passerby, Behold, this goose understands that I intend to go on a crusade and wishes to go with me, Unquote. And here's another reference from Gilbert of Nogent, a Benedictine historian, writing about the First Crusade in either 1107 or 1108, Quote, What I am about to say is ridiculous, but has been testified to by authors who are not ridiculous. A poor woman set out on the journey when a goose, filled with I do not know what instructions, clearly exceeding the laws of her own dull nature, followed her. Lo, the rumors flying on Pegasian wings, that is, wings of a pegasus, filled the castles and cities with the news that even geese had been sent by God to liberate Jerusalem. Not only did they deny that this wretched woman was leading the goose, but said that the goose led her. At Cambrai they assert that, with people standing on all aisles, the woman walked through the middle of the church to the altar, and the goose followed behind in her footsteps, with no one urging it on. Soon after, we have learned, the goose died in Lorraine. She would certainly have gone more directly to Jerusalem if, the day before she set out, she had made herself a holiday meal for her mistress.' we have attached this incident to the true history so that men may know that they have been warned against permitting Christian seriousness to be trivialized by vulgar fables, And these aren't the only accounts. Now, it's entirely possible that there was urban myth-type stuff floating in the air when these various historians, early historians, were writing about the First Crusade, And these writers, they totally heard from a friend of a friend that a bunch of weird, unwashed peasant people were following a goose around. uh, Right into a holy war. But the crusaders following the goose, uh, they're easy to laugh at. But when it comes to bird-based decision-making, they were in pretty good company. The ancient Romans, you know, the guys who basically founded Europe as we know it, put a whole lot of stock in sacred poultry, specifically sacred fortune-telling chickens. Uh, this was a thing that they consulted a lot. Here's a description of the practice from Louis de Jacor, a French scholar from the 1700s who wrote about the practice in what was called merely the Encyclopedia, uh, a collaborative publication in Enlightenment, France, that attempted to explain and write down absolutely everything. Here's Dejacour writing about sacred Roman chickens. Quote, Sacred chickens were chickens raised by priests in Roman times and which were used for making auguries. Nothing significant was undertaken in the Senate or in the armies without omens being drawn from the sacred chickens. The most common method of drawing these omens consisted in examining the manner in which the chickens dealt with grain that was presented to them. If they ate it avidly while stamping their feet and scattering it here and there, the augury was favorable. If they refused to eat and drink, the omen was bad, and the undertaking for which it was consulted was abandoned. When there was a need to render this sort of divination favorable, the chickens were left in a cage for a certain amount of time without eating. After that, the priests opened the cage and threw their feed to them. Unquote. And Livy, in his Histories of Rome, has more than a few references to sacred chickens, people talking about the chickens in the context of religion, and also what the chickens did before various important battles. So, it's not like bird-based religious inspiration or oracularism, if these crusaders were following a goose, was at all unprecedented. They would have been in very good historical company. And there are all sorts of other examples of oracles, augurs, seers, etc. For example, in ancient China, writing things on a tortoise shell, seeing how it cracked after you put it in some flames, and then deciding, well, that's what you're going to do. You're going to use that as a decision-making tool. So again, goose people, easy to laugh at, but not alone. And it's also worth noting that as amusing as people following a goose to war is, The Crusades were a completely needless and bloody series of wars of aggression that left thousands dead. Whether they followed a flag, a cross, a lord, a king, their own inspiration, their friends, their neighbors, or a goose, the Crusaders left a trail of despair and carnage in their wake that served, ultimately, little human or godly purpose. In the long run, the whole enterprise was steeped in dark absurdity, goose or no goose. Interesting Times is recorded at the studios of Portland's own X-Ray FM 97.1 and 107.1 in, well, Portland, Oregon, and we are engineered by Arthur Rosato. If you would like to support the show, and you should, go to interestingtimespodcast.com. There is a support link. I'm on Facebook, facebook.com slash times with Joe Streckert. Also, Twitter and iTunes. Give us a rating and review if you like. Thank you very much for listening. See you next week. Bye. I'm going